the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pray specifically. Elijah prayed for a specific thing. Rain. None of this, Lord, bless everyone. Rain. Some of us pray in such generalities that we're not sure if God has answered our prayers yet. And, and sometimes we'd like to play it safe. We don't want to embarrass the Lord. Listen, that's all right. That's all right. Pray expectantly and pray specifically. Welcome to another Bible study with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are looking into the private prayer life of Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 18. In today's class, Pastor Steve will show us that praying expectantly is vitally important to seeing God answer our prayers. We're so glad to have you along today. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this lesson to listen to it again or share it with a friend. We have a lot of ground to cover, so let's get right down to business. Here is Pastor Steve with today's verse-by-verse lesson. Now Elijah gets before the Lord and he's praying for rain. Elijah realizes that he's not the one who's going to do it. God must do it. If there's to be power, if there's to be the demonstration of the Lord Almighty, it's got to be in response to prayer. And I think we really need to learn that. Because the 20th century church thing thinks that they can do it on their own. We've got all the gimmicks. We've got all the books. We've got all the success formulas. We've got all the programs. We've got all the right conference speakers. We've got all the how-tos, 10 steps to straighten everything out in the church. All the seminars, all the radio programs, all the cassettes. And we need to learn, like Elijah learned, that... In humility, we spread ourselves out before the Lord. And if anything is to take place, it must be done because God has done it. Not us. God has done it. Something great is accomplished. Let's give God the credit. And if he's to do something, we must recognize that it's in response to prayer. And we need to spread ourselves out before him and and obviously recognize who he is. We need to be so careful at Lakeside. At Lakeside, we've got things going. My, do we have things going. A large school ministry, numerous ministries, more than I can even keep up with. More people are coming. Lives are changing. Exciting things are happening. And we've got to be careful that we don't forget the Lord. The easiest place to forget the Lord is in church. Because sometimes we think, why do we need him? Now, we never verbalize that. But sometimes the Lord is the last one we turn to when we've got things that we want to see accomplished. And so our prayers must be with humility. We need to depend upon the Lord for his power. In fact, that aspect of dependency is is probably the primary reason that Christians don't pray more. They don't see their need to depend upon the Lord. We just think we can do whatever we want to do. Why is it that it's so hard to get Christians out to a prayer meeting and get them out for anything else? In fact, I'd venture to say on Wednesday night we'll have more people here because we've got a film this Wednesday. But a prayer meeting, just a prayer meeting, why, we never say this, but we sometimes think it, waste of time. I've got more important things to do. 
Why? Because we don't see our need to depend upon the Lord for anything. We are self-satisfied. We think we can make it on our own. And you know what happens if when we think that enough, the hand of the Lord is off us. In fact, that's the sad thing, that there are many of us who the hand of the Lord is, is off, and, and yet we're, we think that we're doing so well in the Christian life, and it's all in the energy of the flesh. You know, Elijah could have very easily become complacent and say, why bother praying? You know how Elijah could have rationalized it? He could have rationalized it this way. Look, God's already promised rain, right? The word of God says it. God told me, go tell Elijah there's going to be rain. Or Ahab, rather, there's going to be rain. Why bother praying for something when God's already said it would take place? A lot of people rationalize prayer away that way. Now, I don't understand how it all works. I don't understand that. But I know God has told us to pray. And one of the reasons he's told us to pray is because he wants to teach us dependency upon him. There are many things that I, I, I pray for that the word of God says. Even though I know God's going to do it, I pray for it. Because God wants me to be dependent. And this is a pattern throughout Scripture. Daniel, while the Jewish people were in captivity in, the, uh, in, in Babylon, Daniel has read from the prophecy of Jeremiah that the Jewish people are going back to the land, and yet Daniel spends much time in prayer that God would accomplish what he already said he would accomplish. And I can see some modern theologian getting up and saying, Why bother praying, Daniel, when God's already said it would take place? Because God wants us to be dependent upon him. The Apostle John knew that Jesus was coming, returning, but he prayed for him to come anyway. In Revelation 22:20, 20, the Bible says, yes, I'm coming quickly. Jesus said, yes, I come quickly. But what did John say? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Why bother praying, John, if Jesus just said he'd come? Because that's the heart of dependency. That's humility. The more humble we are before the Lord, the bolder you are before people. That's where the power comes in. You want to know why Elijah was, was so strong before people? Because when you spend time spread out before the Lord in humility, you recognize your own weaknesses. When you spend time in the presence of the sovereign of the universe, you realize that you are absolutely nothing and that you need to depend upon the Lord for every bit of strength and courage. So you see, humility is what we need before the Lord. We go before him, you spend enough time looking into the face of Jesus Christ in prayer, and you're ready to go away with courage because you recognize you are frail and weak and have no strength. And if anything is going to be accomplished, it must be accomplished by the Lord and not yourself. So the first elements of Elijah's prayer life that should characterize ours is humility. Absolutely necessary for the power of God to be upon us. But then there's expectancy. Expectancy. Elijah had a low view of his own strength, but he had a high view of God's strength and ability to answer his prayer and to do exactly what he promised he would do. Look at verses 43 and 44. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. Seven times. And it came about, verse 44, at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. You know, Elijah refused to give up. Absolutely refused to give up. What's the scene here? Mount Carmel overlooks the Mediterranean Sea. I don't know who the, um, who the servant of the prophet was. Some think it was the widow of Zarephath's son. 
maybe, I don't know who it was. And in any case, he had a servant. And Elijah has been promised by God that rain is coming. He crouches down before the Lord and he tells his servant to go look and see if rain clouds are on the horizon. And he keeps coming back. He keeps coming back saying, no, nothing. Elijah says, go, look again. Seven times, seven times it took place. But Elijah refused to give up and he refused to doubt God. Why? Why? Why would someone do this? Because he fully expected the Lord to answer his prayer. You see, to Elijah, the question was not if, but only when. When would it take place? Not if, when would it take place? And finally, the seventh time, his servant looked and he saw a little rain cloud, just the size of a man's fist. Now, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this? That is the principle, expectancy, persevering, faith. Whatever way you want, to, you want to put it, Elijah refused to give up. The very principle of this is that we ought to pray expecting God to answer our prayers. Now, you say it sounds so elementary. Of course we ought to expect God to answer our prayers. Very few of us really do. In fact, we are surprised and shocked when God answers our prayers. Many Christians just don't expect the Lord to answer their prayers. And that's why our prayers can become so mechanical uh, just going through the motions. There is no fervency. There is no expectancy. The Bible says Elijah prayed fervently, James tells us. Earnestly. Fervency. In fact, some of us would be absolutely shocked if we would go home today and, and get a phone call and hear that God has answered something we've been praying about for years and years. But that's not new. This is a characteristic of many Christians. It even started in the first church. In Acts Chapter 12, you can turn there if you'd like. Acts chapter 12, Peter has been put in prison, and the early church goes to prayer for him. Praying for his deliverance and so forth. Verse 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was, made, was being made fervently by the church of God. Now you think, my, the, the early Christians had their act together in every way. And, and they certainly prayed properly. Some didn't, some didn't. The story is this, an angel of the Lord goes into the prison and delivers Peter. Supernatural, it's a miracle, Peter gets out and he goes to the, to the a home where they're praying. The church is gathered, church of Jerusalem is praying and Peter knocks outside. And a young girl by the name of Rhoda comes and opens, uh, must have looked in there and, and opened the little shutter, whatever, and uh, sees that it's Peter and she closes it. And, she, and if you don't think the Bible has humor, you're mistaken. She goes back and says, it's Peter. Peter's there. Now, what have they been praying about? All, in fact, they're in the other room praying for Peter to be released. So she gets so excited, she forgets to open the door. And the rest of the people think there's something wrong with her. Verse 15. Now, they've been praying about this, mind you. Verse 15. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. You're mad. You don't know what you're saying. But she kept insisting that it was so. And so they become real theological at this point. Anything but to accept that God has answered their prayers. They said it must be his angel. Isn't that great? Must be his angel. Well, Peter, I'm sure at this point, was knocking a little bit louder. And Peter, being of the fiery nature, must have been threatening to knock the door down. And finally, they go to the door and they open it up. And there, to their surprise, stands the answer to their prayer. The answer to their prayer standing right before them. 
some of us are just as astonished when there's an answer to our prayers. But we shouldn't be. We really shouldn't be. Not when we're praying in the will of God. And Elijah knew that it was God's will that rain would come. And so he never gave up. Been praying for the salvation of a loved one for years. Are you on the verge of giving up? Don't. If you're convinced and have a burden of the Lord, and you're convinced that it's from God, and you need to keep praying, don't give up. Never give up. If there's something that is an issue in the Word of God, and you know the Word of God teaches it and it's clear, don't give up. Persevere. Elijah had such expectations that he even told his servant to go tell Ahab to, to get his chariot and go before the rains come. In essence, he's saying, go tell Ahab to get some you know, rain tires on his chariot and move. His rain's coming. Remember, they hadn't had rain for three and a half years. Do you know why the power of God is on the life and ministry of somebody who has expectancy in their prayers? Because they never give up. They persevere in their prayers and they refuse to give up when they're convinced that they are praying God's will. What if Elijah had stopped after the sixth time and said, well, six, you know, Lord, you can't expect me to pray forever. But he, he persevered. There was an expectation there. And I find that people who, uh, whose lives are characterized by power of the Lord and the Lord is enabling them to carry on the work of the ministry are people who never give up. They expect God to do things. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7? Verse 7, Jesus said this. He said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. You want me to tell you how that reads in the Greek language? Ask, and keep asking. Knock, and keep knocking. Or rather, seek, and keep seeking. Knock, and keep knocking. Just do it if you're convinced it's based on the Word of God. Now, don't be presumptuous. Don't be praying about something that the Lord hasn't put a burden on your heart for, or that's not found a, a, a principle or a truth in the Word of God. That's a waste of your time. But if you're convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that this is God's will, then don't give up. Don't give up. And we need to realize that the only way to pray with expectancy is to pray specifically. Pray specifically. Elijah prayed for a specific thing. Rain. None of this, Lord, bless everyone. Rain. Some of us pray in such generalities that we're not sure if God has answered our prayers yet. And, and sometimes we'd like to play it safe. We don't want to embarrass the Lord. Listen, that's all right. That's all right. Pray expectantly and pray specifically. Don't be afraid to be specific and be definite. You'll see the Lord answer. Teach your children to pray specifically with, with ex expectation. You know, children are wonderful about this. We get all excited about answers to our prayers, uh, sort of because we're, we're amazed that the Lord would do it. But children, oh yeah, sure. Sure, I knew that would happen. We need to have childlike faith like that. When you pray with humility and you pray with expectancy, an expectancy that's firmly rooted in God's will, then there's going to be some exciting things taking place in your life and in your ministry. Because Elijah is a model that his prayer, when he prayed this way, had results. And that's the last thing we want to look at, results. Look at verse 45 and 46. So it came about after a little while that the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. James 5.16 says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And that's certainly true in Elijah's case. It's true in every case, but we can see it clearly in Elijah's case, because Elijah was a righteous man. And so his prayers did accomplish much. In fact, he accomplished two things that I see. 
Number one, and it's rather obvious, verse 45 says it rains. Rather obvious. It rains. God answered his prayer specifically, but even beyond that, there was another result of Elijah's prayer that isn't so obvious. Verse 46 is that the hand of the Lord was on him. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. God's servant was supernaturally empowered by the Lord so that he was able to outrun Ahab's chariot the entire distance to Jezreel. How long is that? Some say 8 miles, some say 18, some say 20. I'm not sure. In any case, it's fantastic. Now, don't misunderstand this verse. Prayer won't change you into a marathon runner. Prayer won't make you win the Olympics. But it will be the tool that God uses to empower you for the work he has for you. Prayer transforms those who pray because you can't help but be changed after you've spent time in God's presence. There's a new dynamic about you when you spend time alone in the Lord. Not publicly in prayer, but privately in prayer. And the question boils down to this. I guess really the issue of God's hand isn't upon you, enabling you to carry on your ministry in his strength. And maybe it's because you're trying to make it on your own. You're not spending the time in prayer. You're, you're leaning upon your own resources. You think you can cut it on your own intelligence and strength, and, and you just can't. Maybe you can have a lot of people involved in your ministry, but that's really not the issue, is it? The issue is God's mighty hand of power. Without spending time alone with him in prayer, it's useless to carry on a ministry. It has no power. So if you want a ministry that's filled with thrills, excitement, excitement because the Lord is at work in it and doing things that are above and beyond anything we could even think or ask, then you've got to have a consistent private prayer life. No matter how busy your day is, you've got to spend time alone with the Lord. And some people say, well, I'd love to, but I'm just too busy. We close with this. Don't close your minds, but we close with this. In Mark chapter 1, it's recorded for us one of the busiest days in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the busiest days. You'll get tired just listening to it. First of all, he taught in a synagogue service. If you have ever had the opportunity to speak before people, you know that can be draining. And here he was, not only speaking before people, but in amongst his kinfolk, amongst his neighbors, and amongst his friends. So he taught in a synagogue service. While he was teaching, there was a demon-possessed man who interrupted the service, and he cured him. He went on to heal Peter's mother-in-law. He healed many people in the evening hours, and he cast out scores of demons. All day long, his, his, uh, it was ministry, ministry activity. It must have been draining physically, must have been draining emotionally, and he must have been tired. All day long, he's been before people, and they've been crowding in to get near him and speak to him and have him cure them. You think the Lord said, well, I really deserve to sleep in the next day. You know, it's been a busy day, so I'll sleep in. But he didn't do that. Instead of taking the next day off, feeling he deserved a little break, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says this, And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place, and he was praying there. If the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God in flesh, needed time to be alone with the Father, no matter how busy his schedule was, then how much more do we need at consistent prayer life? If prayer was the priority of Christ's life, and it was, then it ought to be our priority too. Howard Hendricks has written a great little book about the life of Elijah. And this is what he has to say. 
He says, I want to ask you a question I've been asking myself for some time now. How do you account for the fact that the one area in your Christian experience in which you are constantly bombed out is your prayer life? My friends, that is not an accident. That is the product of cultivation. The older I become in the faith, the more impressed I am with the subtlety of Satan. He always fogs in the area of the crucial, never the trivial. Satan does not mind your witnessing as long as you don't pray, because he knows if you do not, that it is far more important to talk to God about men than to talk to men about God. Satan does not mind your studying the scriptures as long as you don't pray, for then the word will never get into your life. Then you will simply develop a severe case of spiritual pride, and he loves that. Satan doesn't mind your becoming, uh, co- uh, becoming compulsory active in your local church or in some other form of Christian work, just as long as you do not pray. For then you will be active, but you will not accomplish anything. I say to you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, be in prayer, consistently in prayer. Not so much publicly, that is really not the issue, but be alone with God on a regular basis in prayer, and you'll see the hand of the Lord upon your ministry and your life. And for those of you who don't know Christ, you say, well, I'm lost. I don't understand all this about prayer. There's only one thing you need to do, and that is, that is to pray one prayer from your heart. Because in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, we read, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What you need to do is to go before the Lord and recognize that you need him as your Savior, as the one who died for your sins. So everything is wrapped up in communicating with God in prayer. That is the secret to Elijah's life. Not what he looked like, not his preaching ability, not his dynamic personality, not the way he looked, but Elijah was a man of prayer. And I hope that you and I will take heed to his example. Let's pray. If you are without Christ, then we invite you to pray to receive him. It's not your prayer that makes you receive Christ. It is the faith behind that prayer. Would you call upon the name of the Lord? Would you admit that you need him? Would you recognize that he is the one who paid for your sins? That he is the Lord of the universe and he wants to be your Lord? Would you accept him? The Bible says whoever, no matter who, calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Trust in him, they'll have eternal life. Dear Christian friends, I hope that these words from the word of God will change you and make you a prayer warrior. Someone who is consistent before the Lord in humility expectancy, and then you'll watch the results as God moves in a great way. May God deliver us from depending upon ourselves. Father, we recognize that if there's ever going to be success to any ministry, to any work that we're involved in, we recognize you have to do it. I suppose, Lord, that's the difference between the 20th century church and the early church. We're more concerned about paying And the early church was more concerned about praying. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to not just find time to spend alone with you, but to center our day around spending it with you. That everything else would be secondary, but to spend time alone with you in the word and in humility and expectancy and to have those quiet moments in your presence. Lord, may the results of our prayer life be obvious as our lives are transformed, that the hand of yourself might be upon us in a great way. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We have two more messages left on the life of Elijah before we complete this series. 
Our prayer is that these class sessions help you in your daily walk with the Lord Jesus. If we can be of any further help, please call us at 727-239-0306. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. Our website for downloading or listening to this message again is versebyverseradio.org. You may download as many as you like, all free of charge. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel, located at 1893 Sunset Point Road, Clearwater, Florida. We depend on the generous support of listeners like you who have been blessed by these Bible studies. You can contribute online, over the phone, or by mail. Again, our website is versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. Click on the Support Us button. Our phone number again is 727-239-0306. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Do continue to pray for this ministry. For Pastor Steve and all of us here at Verse by Verse, I'm Jerry Pruden. Thank you for listening. Faith Talk 570 W. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.